everybody, what's up? Welcome to Bible Prophecy Talk. My name is Chris. It is really good to be back with you. It has been a few weeks since the last podcast, and that's mostly due to really just being busy, but also because the last few weeks I've been really committed to writing on the script for the Pre-Wrath movie, and putting all of my effort and brain power into that really hasn't lended itself to researching or producing sort of separate content for the podcast, since I don't really want to you know, share what I've been working on on the podcast right now since it's, you know, a script for a documentary that will be released later. So so I will be talking a lot about that, though, today. And I also will be talking about the main sort of point to this podcast, which will be about the loss of justice, the loss of truth in the world today, and how frustrating that is for us as Christians, although it is uh, not certainly anything new but we're interpreting it as a political situation. But really, I want to, you know, just think about it a little bit, go through some of the ramifications, what it means for us, what we should expect in the future, and what that means for our ministries and uh, and the way that we live our lives, especially as it relates to some of the sayings of Christ about persecution, which uh, need to be taken into account and really internalized. Even someone like me who is... Uh, pretty aware that uh, I will probably be killed for my faith if I'm actually going to live through the time uh, that's described in the Bible, which is, you know, questionable whether that is true or not. But if I am, I certainly will die for my faith and probably in not a pretty way. Uh, But even for somebody like me that believes that persecution, that I'm going to go through persecution, I don't really think I've internalized the severity that Jesus is talking about. So we'll talk about some of that stuff. But first, let me tell you about my friends. (laughs) No, um, but first, I do want to talk about the Pre-Wrath Film Project, and I don't want to bore you with it, but I just am getting pretty excited about it for several reasons. I alluded to this a little bit last week, but I really wanted to find some sort of uh, second tier, some action plan after the movie was released to leverage the movie somehow to... Uh, to make some kind of meaningful change. So I'll talk about that because that's really where I want to go with this. But I also want to mention some of the other things I've been thinking about since uh, having come up with the name Seven Preacher Problems and the Pre-Wrath Rapture. I mentioned that that tested extremely well uh, with the Google ads, especially when targeting pre-tribbers, which was interesting. And I think part of the reason beyond it just being a fairly clickable term was uh, that it is kind of psychologically important that the idea can be codified in any form like that anyway, that that it's been codified into seven things. I think people just want to know what they are. But even from the other side, those that want to share this issue, I feel have been kind of overwhelmed because, you know, um, not everybody is ready for a debate on every single aspect of every single situation about pre-wrath or any other theological issue. And so your other options are to what? Send them a book or send them a link to something that really doesn't even do that. Uh, So... It was really important to develop, I talked about this in the last podcast, the the seven pre-trib problems themselves, which are kind of a separate entity. Uh, For example, although I've written rough drafts of all seven, I've only really written one of them so far, the precursor problem. It's several paragraphs long, has over 40 footnotes. It is as bulletproof of an argument as I think I can make. I'm sending it around to various scholars and stuff to kind of review it. Uh, But basically, those are the backbone of the film. They're not the script itself. That will be a totally different writing. 
but they are intended to be a resource over and above the documentary that can be sent to someone, to an influencer, to convince them and to have all the material there in footnotes or whatever they need to show them that there are no other options. You have to become pre-wrath now. Related to that, developing the name has helped to understand what the tone of the documentary is and also who the audience is, and I think both of them have some interesting components. So, for example, the the tone is that there are these, these arguments that have been going on uh, with the rapture forever, right? But And the scholars have been really active with that debate in the last uh, decade or two. But the problem is, on the ground level, in, in the lay world, and even in most uh, with most pastors, the arguments are so surface level, so... Uh, 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 simple, that there really is no meaningful discussion about the rapture. What this documentary intends to do is to take those high-level arguments that have been raging at the, at the, the high levels and bring those down and say, here, here everybody, here's the actual arguments. Uh, let's, let's discuss these. And so there's a little bit of psychology there, too, in saying, hey, uh, there's a really good chance your pastor doesn't even know that these are the actual issues. So everybody is needing to elevate this debate a little bit if we're going to get to the truth. So here is my best attempt to simplify these arguments and then also to show what pre-trib has done to deal with these problems in the past, why those attempts come up far short, and then finally, why pre-wrath actually solves this problem. As far as who this documentary is for, I was talking with the uh, other producer, Judd, about this yesterday, and while we both agreed that it was ultimately for influencers, really, I mean, these these high-level arguments are going to try to be as simplified as humanly possible, but ultimately, even at their most simple form, it's still going to be maybe slightly over the head of just some people, and that's just what that's just not what I'm here to do right now. I think that content should be made; it should be simplified even further, but that's not what this particular. Uh, film is, is is to do. It's going to be as popularized as humanly possible, but even then it's really not going to be uh, too popular. Uh, but it is for not just the influencers, but really for the influencers of the influencers. So influencers would be like your pastor or the, the podcasters or even the scholars out there. It, it's, it's for them, but they themselves are, while they could understand the arguments and all that stuff, it's really hard for them to change their positions because often they've written about, you know, their position on this. It's a lot other baggage going on to switch a position. For It's really for you guys, the influencers of the influencers, the people that understand the arguments, that are interested in this kind of thing, that can be convinced by the arguments and don't have a lot of dog in the fight of changing their position. But then they can have, for the first time, extremely accurate, good resources to then challenge the uh, the influencers and I, I'm thinking about trying to find some way some call to action within the movie itself uh, to actually encourage influencers to do just that but that's another story so one of the things I was challenged about was what is the next step what is the lever uh, that the, this film will be used to pull to accomplish its ultimate goal which is to change hearts and minds and I've been thinking about that really since the idea of the film has come about. 
and it's difficult. I've tried to couch it in terms of like, what if money was no object? I mean, what if you could just do anything? What would be the thing that could be done to to bring this issue into the forefront where it needs to be? And, you know, there aren't a lot of really blockbuster answers to that. I toyed around with the idea of like, what if there was like, you know, live debates that were heavily promoted and, you know, pay the people to, to, to do the debates and all this stuff. And really the thing that I thought of is not, too much different than that. It's not as blockbuster, but it is, I think, more, uh, more usable. So in one, one sense, what I originally had the idea for, what I originally envisioned was somehow making this a movement, making this a thing, the seven pre-trib problems. Have you heard about it? What about the seven pre-trib problems to make it a thing to somehow inject it into the conversation and to make it stay in the conversation. And it's just like a thorn that doesn't go away until they deal with it. And then of course the problems have been crafted in such a way that they are extremely hard to deal with. So it can have a meaningful thing. So it really comes down to promotion really. So I thought about, well, you know, we could buy some ad time on Patriot radio stuff and maybe that could get the ball rolling and word of mouth and stuff like that. So there are two main aspects of this second tier. Um, the first is a major secondary content push that all funnels everything back into uh, the, the same film. And it is fueled by the magic of Google ads. <laughs> so Google ads, I'm just so impressed with. First of all, uh, I've known in the past that it's powerful, but man, it is super powerful. It's the reason that Google is the biggest company in the world is because these targeted ads are just unbelievably good. Not only can you use it to psychologically craft an ad that is so clickable that people can't resist it, but then once you have that tool, that ad, you can target the people that are like for a very minimal amount of money, I can, I can target, target anybody that says anything about pre-trib ever for the history of the world. Like anytime anybody Googles anything about it, I will be there saying, Hey, have you checked out the seven pre-trib problems? I mean, I can make sure that anytime anybody says anything about remotely and just keep adding to those keywords. So there could be this whole secondary thing with just that. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but that in itself uh, could be a huge deal if the budget was there. And I think I've got some ideas about how the budget can sort of be self-perpetuating um, and, you know, money that it's made can be put back into that and so on and so forth. So I've got, that's a whole nother discussion. But so the other aspect is the content situation. So one of the things about this film is obviously it's kind of like the pre-wrath uh, sort of manifesto in a way. This is the pre-wrath putting their, their flag in the ground and saying, hey, these are the problems, deal with these problems. And it is one-sided in the sense that it's pre-wrath people, right? Uh, it's not, it's not, uh, we didn't interview a whole lot of pre-trib people or any pre-trib people. So what I want to do is I talked about a debate. Here's some pros and cons of a debate. Number one, debates are typically boring and that's somewhat to do with the fact that they are very long. There's a lot of dead time. There's not, they're not well produced obviously because it's, it's this old form. People need snappiness, you know, they need an intro. Here's what this is going to be. This guy's going to say this, this guy's going to say this, go intro argument. Okay. Their argument's done. People need it to be produced and it needs to be fast. It can't have a lot of this uh, dead time. So there's that. Another, another big con with debates is that um, it's really hard to get people to agree to them. And the reason is 
partially because it's this event, right? Hey, you could go to this city. We'll get you a you know plane ticket, a hotel room, whatever. And then you're going to be on stage with all these lights. And you, it's a really tough thing. And it's going to be kind of hard argument stuff. And, uh, you know, you're going to be put on the spot. You might say something stupid. I mean, there are a million reasons to say no to a debate in that sense. Uh, even for the people that might want to debate, with all that baggage, it's really hard to get people to agree to debates. Pre-tribbers, I mean. Pre-rathers will pretty much do anything. So the other issue is that it's it's a production. It's money. It's logistics. I mean, it, it is an extremely expensive thing to even produce that boring piece of content. Uh, and then I would say that a lot of people say about debates, ah, oh, they never really change anybody's mind and all this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, that's true. But typically with the debates that I've seen, they've been so broad on the, like, does God exist, you know, that how you, you have so many outs, you know, there's so many rabbit trails you could get on. You can, you could never address any real issue that's brought up because it's just too broad. If the, if debates are, are, are focused enough on, in, in this case, each one of the seven pre-trib problems gets their own debate. Now, um, here's another aspect of this, that the debates will be pre-recorded video debates with a third-party monitor, i.e. me. Okay, well, I'm not I'm not third-party independent. I, I'm just doing the editing. So what I mean is that you, you ask somebody, hey, will you do this debate? And you really try to find the best possible pre-tribber. If it takes money, then it takes money. Whatever it takes to get the best guy for the job, just so nobody can say, ah, you didn't debate the right guy. No, we debated the right guy. We tried to get everybody on board for this. And then what you do is you say, here are some guidelines. Uh, it's the same basic kind of format of, of a debate, you know, uh, whatever it is, 15-minute intro, five-minute rebuttals, and all this other stuff. But you would pre-record it, and you would give them the option, maybe tell them, okay, you know, put your iPhone in 4K, get in some good light, and use a little tripod and, and or whatever, so it's a good shot or whatever. And you can pre-record your opening argument and send that to me. Both Both sides send that to me. And then I'll send each one the debate, the other side's, you know, rebuttal or what opening thing, and then they'll send their rebuttals. And then you send those, the second set of rebuttals to each other. So everybody's having this time to think about their arguments, uh, to phone a friend, <laughs> do whatever they need during that week of trying to produce this content, to think about it, to make sure not only that these, these arguments are going to be the best of the best. They're, they thought about it for a week. They're under no pressure. They were able to edit it. And here is their answer to that thing. It's just going to meet, mean a better, uh, a better debate in general, especially when it's all edited together with an intro, completely unbiased because I honestly think pre-rathers don't need to be unbiased. We can we can go find the best pre-tribber and we can just do everything completely above board and we still win. Uh, but but I guess either way, and here's another thing. Uh, I don't have any illusions that these debates will be highly watched, okay? And I don't think of it like that. It's not this, this secondary thing, which by the way, will probably take me at least another, what, year, year and a half to complete. So I'm committed to this for, for a long time. Um, if I do this, uh, I have no illusions that they're going to be blockbuster debates. I still think even then doing everything as good as you possibly can, it's not going to be that good. But what it is, is a content funnel that begins, okay, you put that on YouTube or whatever, Dr. Such-and-such versus Dr. Such-and-such about precursors to the day of the Lord, uh, and then put that on YouTube. 
and with an intro saying this is from the pre-trib problems documentary link in the description to that so it, everything's funneling back to the same thing but it has its own sort of keyword finding ability right dr so-and-so versus dr so-and-so now all of a sudden everybody that types in dr so-and-so is going getting put into this funnel that's leading back to the pre-trib problems thing and then you could supplement that even with youtube ads which is an entirely separate situation but the reason I'm thinking of doing these debates is not even necessarily for the content funnel. It's, it's more just a gift to the world. It's a gift to those few people who will need all of this stuff in order to absolutely change their mind and to have every bit of the information that they will need to change others' minds. You know, I could see these debates having less than 5,000 views in, in, in two, two years or something like that. Uh, but those 5,000 views are the people that needed that debate to see that we weren't kidding, that these are real problems and this is how the best pre-tribbers actually deal with it. It's that moment of seeing, oh, so you weren't just making this up. They really don't have an answer for that? That's interesting. Okay, so thank you all for sitting through that rant about that. You can go to the website, prewrathmovie.com. I'll probably put up the website, 7 problems.com uh, at some point in the future, but there's nothing there at the moment. So right now, prewrathmovie.com. Let's get into the actual podcast. So I've got a pet peeve about uh, the lack of justice and lies, particularly well-crafted lies that get a lot of people to believe them. And it's just something I can hardly stand by and, and, and allow to happen without doing something about it. In fact, it's probably one of the reasons I've done so many debunking videos on false doctrines and things like that. Obviously, I still do sit by idly all the time because there's only so much you can do and you have to pick your battles. But in general, I guess I want to say that a lot of conservatives, you know, you look at their, their Facebook or Twitter pages and everybody's kind of posting the same kinds of things. You know, we're very active in the political thing uh, now, whether it's the impeachment stuff or, or whatever, we're all kind of in the same place hoping for some justice. And um, I think it's an interesting things that are happening right now because an outsider is in the White House for the first time in my lifetime anyway, or at least that I know of. And as a result, this sort of what they're calling deep state now, but the new world order basically is freaking out, you know, and they really overcorrected with this just anti-Trump thing that happened, right? Where they just lied about every single thing. I mean, lies got so obvious. It got to the point very, very Nazi-like propaganda where on CNN or, or basically every single news news agency or whatever, and that's an important aspect that I'm going to talk about, they will just, they'll, they'll just lie to make sure that their people just don't hear the other side of the argument. That's just the, the overarching thing that must happen. And, and, and I, I feel as though that anybody that can break free from that will break free from that because it has just got to that point where it is so obvious that they've been doing that. Now, just for the overarching concept, I've talked about this uh, in recent podcasts that basically it's all about money, right? If you can send money to the right places and you can own as many news agencies as possible, it's really easy to control the narrative of information. And they've been injecting, in my opinion, uh, really specific propaganda that must be preached at all at all costs, right? They have their, their hot button issues that must be a part and have become a part of our 
culture. These are people that want globalism, right? They want to rule the world from one uh, place, but they can't do that because America is too strong. So since World War II, they have devised ways to uh, break down America. <clears throat> so America has been targeted for destruction and racism and various things have been what the foundations have been injecting into their mouthpiece, the media, and of course, the schools. What I kind of wanted to talk about was we, we think of it in terms of media, right? The CNNs of the world and, and whatnot. But but I really want to, to show that there is no real way out of this except for big tech also being addressed. So big tech, and I, I look at, I, I, as a person who want to try to find unbiased news, right? I've put a lot of effort, something that I guarantee nobody else that doesn't have a reason to do this does, of trying to find news agencies that are relatively unbiased. I've looked at articles that say, you know, so-and-so is unbiased. Uh, AP, the Associated Press, right, is supposed to be an unbiased news. You know, they're always ranked in the middle, you know, very moderate AP. But you look at AP, I mean, it's the first, it's the first five articles are always the very well-crafted lies about uh, Trump or conservatives or something like that. It's all, it's all the same thing. Reddit are, you know, are all these places, Reddit, Twitter, uh, Facebook are all very open about the fact that they, well, maybe not very open, but have been open in the past and can provably be shown to be people that artificially promote these things that the people actually believe are somehow d democratic, right? So it's kind of the same problem with with the news. You know, a person tunes into the news and, and thinks, hey, this is the news. Uh, Trump is such a bad guy. What an awful guy this is. You know, that's that's what they think is happening in the news, that this unbiased news source is telling them that Trump is this awful guy that's trying to destroy the country because he hates, uh, you know, minorities or whatever. Like, wow, goodness gracious, you know. But it, that same thing is happening in, in how we get our news today, even for a guy like me who's trying desperately to find an app or something that can just give me the news so I can learn about the news that's not like forcing this down my throat. So if I was just slightly less critical and couldn't see that for what it was, I would just have to accept that Trump is this monster and that Christians and, and everything else to do with conservatism are just crazy monsters as well. I was looking at the AP the other day and I saw this uh, with the first top two articles were, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it, it's not that important. Basically, it made uh, Trump, you know, took the per worst possible take on this thing. You know, it made it look so unbelievably bad. It, and knowing the actual facts of that whole situation, I was like, gosh, I can't believe they would just lie like that. But I was thinking to the slightly uncritical person that sees this every single day on every single place that they check, no matter with no exceptions, unless they listen to Fox News or something like that. Uh, and really, Fox News might be the only thing. I mean, obviously, we know Breitbart and a lot of different people you can follow on Twitter, but that's really a minority of things. The, the conservative stuff, you know, we they are getting taken off all these places. I mean, anything that has power conservatively is being currently actively quashed. And it's really, you know, feels a whole lot like early Nazi Germany, right? I mean, it just, it was, it's incremental enough to, that you didn't get completely outraged when this one thing, when Alex Jones got taken down because he's Alex Jones, right? But then, you know, when the others got taken down and this guy got taken down and that, and then eventually we're looking around and there isn't a whole lot left. But the point I was trying to make is that I was so looking at this this new these news stories at the top of AP, and I was thinking if I was uncritical, I could not fathom any way that anybody because I would also know that people voted for Trump, right? And that there's this whole groundswell of people in the middle of the country that the numbers are absolutely huge, right? The people that actually support Trump. So the only thing in my mind 
that could rationalize at all how this monster that I've been told about so much, how anybody, how this massive group of people could support this monster, is that those people are really, really bad. I mean, and, and are a big part of the propaganda, obviously, that they're all racists, right? Uh, racists mostly. And uh, that's the thing that's been going on mostly, but but anti whatever minority, uh, all that kind of stuff that they are. And, and here it is. And Christians, of course, it's Christians. And I think that's the only way that you can possibly make sense of how there can be any support for anything conservative based on what you see every day. So where am I going with this? I think first I want to say that we there's a sense, I feel like I'm sensing among Christians that we're supporting a lot of this stuff and being very political uh, right now because we're, we don't want these lies to be continued to be believed. And we think that it's so obvious that we should be able to, you know, if we could just get a couple things to fall our way, you know, we'd be able to show the world, hey, look at all these lies and we'd win, right? We'd win. We'd say, ah, the lies have been exposed, you know, because they're so obvious. But to that, I'd say there may be some stuff like that. Maybe the attorney general thing will, will put a few people in handcuffs or whatever. But but what in the, what about the history of Christianity or the history of lies about Christianity makes you think that this is going anywhere good at all? Uh, that the future is is positive. I mean, I don't mean to be <laughs> down about this. I do hope it is, and I think that we should fight for the things that we're called to fight for, wherever that is, uh, if that's political or whatever. And I thank God that that God has put people uh, to to do that kind of ministry in the places that they're passionate about, etc. But hey, this this is never historically or doesn't look like it will be uh, in the future, based on the kind of crackdowns that are happening right now. Now, the other aspect I guess I wanted to talk about are, are twofold. The first is that I think that Christians are starting to see that persecution is possible, but I want to caution the Christian about that and say, yes, persecution is possible, but it may not be the persecution spoken of in the Bible. But I do want to talk about the persecution spoken of in the Bible, because as I mentioned earlier, as I've been thinking about that recently, it really makes me humble and want to, to go further into my walk with Christ to be even more prepared for it. And that's really one of the outgrowths of, of pre-wrath is that, look, Jesus talked a lot about the persecution in the end times. And his main message of that persecution was, this, I've got a lot to say about it. This is how you should stand firm. This is what you should do. This is why you should do that, because I have a, I have a job for you in that. Uh, so let me just pull up some of these things. I think that Luke 21 is an interesting one starting. Now, this is uh, talking about um, the persecution after the abomination of desolation. So it says, but before all this, they will seize you and persecute you, handing you over to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will be a time for you to serve as a witness. Therefore, be resolved not to rehearse ahead of time how to make your defense, for I will give you the words along with the wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will have some of you put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. Yet not one hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain lives. 
Uh, in Matthew 24, again, this is the persecution after the uh, uh, midpoint. He says, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. Again, with the, he says, and you will be hated. <clears throat> you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away. So here he's warning of a the apostasy. This is the great apostasy that will happen uh, um, uh, after the midpoint that uh, Paul talks about. Is the apostasy as a result of the abomination of desolation. The abomination of desolation. Two things I want to bring out about this persecution. Again, as a pre-rather, I believe that we as Christians will go through this terrible time of persecution that will be unlike any that has come before it. Jesus says that in an, an earlier in that passage that that it will be like no persecution that has ever been in history or will ever be. It will be the worst persecution of all time. So let's take that idea first. The worst persecution of all time. I've been reading Fox's Book of Martyrs uh, while listening to it on Audible, and I highly recommend you to do that. First of all, on the lies thing, I mean, Nero telling, uh, blaming the, the fire of Rome on Christians, which started one of the worst most brutal persecutions of Christians of all time was just some lie that Nero said because he wanted to deflect uh, the blame uh, from him. It's that kind of stuff is not not new, but I just want to put that in context. That was worse. That was a worse lie. Led to some pretty bad stuff. That was not even the closest to the worst persecution, though. I mean, think of all those crazy medieval torture devices that you see in some history books and stuff that the Catholic Church used on uh, on people that didn't believe Catholic doctrine, basically Christians, Protestant Christians, got tortured to death for hundreds of years at a time. I'm just saying persecutions have been bad. Persecutions right now and in India and various places are really bad. And uh, Pakistan or whatever, you could go on and on. But the, you will be hated, you will be hated by all nations. All nations will hate Christians. Now, the other thing that I think is interesting about that is he, he reiterates that by saying, look, your brother, your brother is going to say, hey, look, there he is. There he is. Go get him. You know, your mother, your father is going to say, ah, there's my child over there. He's hiding. He's one of them. He's one of them. Go get them. The, the level of hatred, the level of lies that we're talking about that the, that the Antichrist and false prophet are going to come up with. I mean, I don't know what that lie is going to be, what their what version of false doctrine they're going to preach. What, what they're going to blame Christian, what they're going to blame on Christians. But whatever it is, is going to make the world hate Christians. And man, the world is going to go crazy with killing Christians. It says they're going to think that they're doing God's service. It says in Revelation 17, 6, that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. Uh, the idea is that just the world has gone crazy with this persecution. You know, I think about that and I think about being the worst persecution. I think of all the old persecutions. I think about torture. Um, and I think, man, I don't know if it's going to be the worst persecution because it's the amount of people. I kind of hope for that. And it, it lends some credibility to that when it says, if it wasn't for Jesus coming back to cut that short with the rapture, that no flesh would be saved. And Revelation 6 tells us, uh, when the fifth seal martyrs say, how long until you judge those that have killed uh, us? It says, wait a little bit longer till till some more of your number have been killed the same as you were. 
and they're given robes and told to wait a little longer and all that stuff. So, so God says the purpose, I have a purpose in this persecution. And we saw it there. We see it in Daniel too, where actually we get the term great tribulation is out of Daniel uh, 12, but the, the persecution there also has the sense of that God is using it for his glory. Right. But I do, I do worry about torture. I, I, I know that we as a, I worry about this falling away of the people because think about it. We are more soft now than we've ever been. And I know we could probably get tougher if we were forced to, but the early stages of that are going to be awful. Um, you know, I've lived my entire life without a war. Uh, one of the first generations in probably forever to live like that without a war of some kind, no worries whatsoever, relative peace in every aspect of my life. I am soft as much as I mentally think I'm prepared for this, but I, but you know, being tortured to, and saying, Oh, well, we can't, you know, these people in Fox's book of martyrs, you know, being burned alive saying, look, we're about to burn you alive. This is your last chance. Just say, just say that you were can't say that you don't believe, uh, you know, in this gospel that you're preaching and we'll just take you right down off here. No, and nobody gets burned alive. And they said, no, I can't do that. You know, uh, whatever the situation is, it, it, it doesn't hurt to get prepared because what is, what does it mean to get prepared for that? Does it mean, you know, strength conditioning or anything like that? No, it means really being the kind of person that's so resolved about your love for Jesus, that there is no thing, there is no thing that can cause you to, to recant. And of course, he's going to give you the, the power to do that and to trust in, in him and prayer. There's all kinds of cool stories about that. Okay, so show notes, I'll be out of town twice in the next couple weeks for a fairly extended amount of time. Then I do have another interview to record here in Atlanta when I get back. So I, I'm going to be fairly busy. And then as I mentioned, my whole goal right now is to write anyway. So I'm not thinking that I'm going to have another podcast out for another couple weeks. So bear with me. Keep subscribed to the podcast. Go to the website prerathmovie.com if you want to donate there. I think we are to almost 80% of the goal. Uh, and then also go to BibleProphecyTalk.com to subscribe to the podcast. Check out the Pre-Wrath resources button on either one of those sites if you want to learn more about what Pre-Wrath teaches. And we will see you next time. Bye.